Mini episode 1490 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello and welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1490, our tribute to President Calvin Coolidge on the 150th anniversary of his birth on July 4th, 1872. I'm FDH managing partner Rick Morris here with our top five notes about my favorite U.S. president. Number five, famously, he was a man of few words. There's that notorious story about how a woman was seated next to Silent Cal at a dinner party and she told him that she had a bet that she could get him to say more than three words in the course of the evening and he answered, quote unquote, you lose. Of the many ways that he wouldn't fit into modern politics, perhaps the most obvious one is that he had no capacity for self-aggrandizement. He once wrote, quote, the words of a president have an enormous weight and ought not to be used indiscriminately, end quote. He was probably the last president to believe that. He made few public statements and walked away from a certain re-election in 1928 because he believed he would be overstaying his welcome if he did otherwise. Number four, son of a prosperous storekeeper, farmer, and public servant, Coolidge was a quintessential son of New England and became very well educated. His wife Gray served as a teacher at Northampton's Clark School for the Deaf. One of their two sons tragically passed away during the Coolidge presidency, casting a dark personal cloud over the remaining White House years. Number three, he made his reputation as governor of Massachusetts in 1919 by sending in the National Guard when the people of Boston were left defenseless in the midst of a police strike. Selected as Warren Harding's running mate in 1920, when the convention attendees did not rubber stamp the backroom boss's choice, of Wisconsin Senator Irvine Lenroot, Coolidge ascended to the presidency on August 2, 1923, when Harding suffered a fatal heart attack. A low-profile member of his predecessor's presidency, Coolidge set his tone immediately, taking charge in a manner that remained low-profile. Many Harding administration policies were retained, but Coolidge was steadfast in purging the ranks and seeking justice for those involved in the Teapot Dome scandal and other wrongdoings. His speech to Congress on December 6, 1923 that laid out his main policy agenda was the first one ever broadcast by a president on radio. He made many more broadcast appearances and was more accessible and accountable to the press than most other presidents, despite not seeking attention. In another twist that you wouldn't see today, Coolidge campaigned for election in 1924 without ever attacking his opponents and not even mentioning them by name. He was rewarded with a landslide election. Number two, in terms of his agenda, he is best known for frugality of government spending, tax cuts, and deregulation. He is the most prominent outlier in the country's historic turn towards progressivism, which began in earnest in the early 1900s under Teddy Roosevelt and took off with a vengeance again in 1933 under T.R.'s cousin Franklin D. Roosevelt, who, incidentally, 
was Coolidge's vice presidential opponent in 1920. In stark contrast to Republican borrow-and-spend policies of the late 20th century and into today, Coolidge retired a quarter of the federal debt while reducing taxes. The economy roared and inflation was kept low. Coolidge opposed farm subsidies and other confiscatory measures that were properly understood at the time not to be covered by the Interstate Commerce Clause. In refreshing contrast to today, when politicians try to wedge every extra-constitutional idea they have into the ICC. Coolidge's restraint extended to foreign policy, where he sought peace rather than conquest with Latin American countries and others previously at odds with America, including Germany, which saw its painful World War I reparations reduced by Coolidge's endorsement of the Dawes Plan. Cooperation with Canada led to the creation of the St. Lawrence Seaway, which connects the Great Lakes and the Atlantic Ocean and has been crucial to the commerce and overall economy of both countries over the last century. Number 1. Coolidge isn't as easy to pigeonhole as many people believe. It goes against the caricature of the man to list these ideas. He favored women's suffrage, advocated for general civil rights and tolerance, and specifically for a federal anti-lynching law, and he signed the Indian Citizenship Act into law granting U.S. citizenship to those living on reservations. And consider these words from historian Robert Sobel, quote, As governor of Massachusetts, Coolidge supported wages and hours legislation, opposed child labor, imposed economic controls during World War I, favored safety measures in factories, and even worker representation on corporate boards. Did he support these measures while president? No, because in the 1920s, such matters were considered the responsibilities of state and local governments, end quote. By keeping his governing vision to one that he believed was constrained by the Constitution, Calvin Coolidge displayed integrity and modesty in his powers not seen since, and we are all poorer for it. Happy 150th birthday to this outstanding president and citizen. Thank you for joining us for this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge.